prior to two years ago, everything was get pre-sales, get bank funding. And mm-hmm. that was like copy and paste. Development is you spend lots of money and then eventually mm-hmm. one day you get it back. And it's like the, the cash burn and the, the lag on the money you spend is quite long. Hi there. Welcome to the Creating Australia podcast. My name is Jessica Reynolds and I'm a private town planner and business owner based in Brisbane, Queensland. I'm passionate about engaging with the amazing people that make the property and development industry what it is today. In creating industry, exploring local stories, projects, businesses, people, ideas, and more. Welcome to today's episode of Creating Australia. I have with me Dan Holden of Holden Capital. Thank you for joining me. Thanks very much for the invite. Glad to be here. Dan, can you please tell us a little bit about what you do day to day at Holden Capital? For sure. So essentially, we finance property developers. So we source, provide, lend, um, and broker construction loans. So that's all across Australia. Um, We've got offices, Brisbane, Sydney, and Melbourne. I'm based here in Brisbane. Uh, I started the company 10 years ago. Uh, So literally December 2011, started the company uh, on my own in my spare bedroom. Working After working, and did a five-year stint for one of the big national firms doing the same kind of thing, so arranging construction loans for property developers. And then five years before that, I did... um, uh, development management, so acquisition, fund, funding projects, and delivering projects. So, uh, about twenty years in the industry uh, in total, and yeah, still loving it, still enjoying it. Twenty years is a fair time, so you're you're almost getting to that veteran status. How did you yeah, even fall almost. into that though? Because you obviously, you know, you, you've gone through this very logical process to get to this point, but you know, did you yeah, come out so of school going, "This I is what I'm doing"? Was- <laughs> From from doing projects and and even in the acquisition phase, you were always focused on the finance. How are you going to get it funded? How are you going to make the project, I guess, stack up and be a good return on the equity? And how much equity is the right amount of equity? And how do we get the project out of the ground? Not so much that speed is always important, but how do you get it out of the ground quickly so that you're not turning a two-year project into a four-year project? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the projects that I was doing were about probably 40 to 60 apartments per project. Mm -hmm. We did one larger one uh, that was a multi-year project. But what I found was that you you could very quickly turn a 12-month build into a three-year long life life commitment, really, I guess. So uh, trying to get them, you know, out of the ground, you know, property developers are property traders ultimately. And so, you know, from the time of acquisition through to the time of disposal, if you can expedite that process, that's, that's the goal. Uh, unless you've got a long-term hold uh, kind of philosophy on property, you should be turning them over as as quickly as possible within a, you know as good a time frame as you can. And a lot of that comes down to how you fund them. Um, so I just found finance was a major part of every project that I was taking on and uh, acquiring and delivering. Uh, finance was the critical part. So hence, I kind of, I guess, migrated across into finance 15 years ago. Um, and now I see it, you know, Every every day on projects that we're funding or or quoting on or trying to help out with is that funding makes makes or breaks the project. So that's why it's exciting. Um, yeah, and I guess also from being a DM and living and breathing a project for three years, uh, a you know a, not a simple project, but what is you know a fairly simple pr- project. Like I said, a twelve month build becomes a three year project from acquisition through to build and disposal and getting all your profit. You were living and breathing those projects for you know two or three years. The same three or four projects that I had on my desk and was was dealing, I was living them every single day yeah. for such a long period. And so now, like our 
gest, you know, gestation period is now probably, I'd say, six, eight, ten weeks tops, uh, and it's, then it's on to the next one. So yeah. you're working on so many different projects um, uh, and helping them get through that that period that I uh, kind of work on the project for mm-hmm. as opposed to living and breathing it from start to finish. So it's a lot more, um, I guess, you know, vibrant and, um, uh, you know, you're seeing a lot, more, a lot more different things as opposed to just living and breathing three or four projects constantly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a bit more exciting. Yeah, I could imagine it's very exciting. And what I'm hearing is finance is, you know, nothing's happening without the money. We can all have the best ideas in the world. It could be the most you know, valuable project to the community, to, you know, the wallet, but unless somebody's going to pay for it or have that money up front, nothing's happening. And so you've seen that need where it is, as you're saying, the most integral component to property development. Yeah, I think so. I'm probably biased, but I'll look at it and go, well, you know, if you don't have, yeah, as you say, if you don't have the money, you can't build it. So, um, um, yeah, uh, and I guess another element as well that I've, I guess, learnt from dealing with many different developers is development and uh, this is what I do cover in the book is mm-hmm. that development is you spend lots of money and then eventually mm-hmm. one day you get it back and it's like the the cash burn and the, the lag on the money you spend is quite long, you know. So even a 12-month build, like I said, is is pretty much a two-year project and so you've got to go and spend $12 bucks to hopefully get 15 back one day and yeah. like, the, yeah, it just uses so much cash um, and, you know, of that 12 mil you spend, probably two or three of it's your own and the rest comes from someone else, yeah. a lender like us or a bank or whoever. Um, but you're, you know, you're spending, 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 and then one day hopefully you get it back. So it's just, yeah, it's a it's a big uh, investment. Um, and so having the right capital behind you makes those projects happen hopefully quicker, smoother, um, and, and particularly like you're seeing at the moment with the construction prices going through a bit of a topsy-turvy kind of moment that we're seeing in the last nine months and hopefully calms down soon um again capital comes in to kind of save the day and and fix things if you've got your capital right then you can keep building your project if you've got your capital wrong it's a pretty painful time um you know you can't pay the builder you can't do this you can't finish the project and then you've got 12 million bucks spent or maybe 10 of the two i've spent you can't find the last bit and you can't get it done so you don't get your 15 back so it's it's, uh, it's those kind of things Absolute nightmare if that happens. And that's some great industry insight. And I think, you know, you've mentioned the book, which we'll get to. But what I really want to know is what makes Holden Capital different? You've obviously got all this background, knowledge, experience, passion for what you do. So, and Holden Capital, 10 years now, you have, you come across as an overnight success, but we all know that is not reality. So what is behind this success today? Um, I'd say it's from my background as opposed to being a banker, not that there's anything wrong with that, but more from actually being, uh, you know, boots on the ground and uh, and doing projects and delivering projects and needing to fund projects that I was doing. Probably, you know, uh, starting the business from a point of that project first kind of approach as opposed to how much can we sell this money for? It's, well, mm-hmm. you know, what projects do we want to be involved in and, and how do we, you know, get half a dozen or a dozen good clients that we can work with consistently uh, as opposed to having to, you know, go and find new new developers every day to lend money to. Um, yep. And so that's probably been a bit of a key for us in, in I guess, our success. Um, you know, I've got one client that I first funded in 2007 and we're still funding them today. So mm-hmm. that's 14 years that we've been funding that client and, um, you know, we work well together because we've been working together for so long. And uh, similarly, since uh, we're now a lender in our own right, 
we've got, yeah, like, like I say, half a dozen or a dozen clients that we consistently do all of their project funding and, and you just get into a good rhythm and you become part of their team and, and then you can, you know, if an issue comes up, it's quickly solved because you're all on the same team heading in the same direction. Um, so, yeah, I'd say in answer to your question of what makes us different, I'd say it's, yeah, just being able to um, uh, provide money to the developer that when they need it and uh, being able to tackle things together as opposed to be combative. Yeah, that's beautiful. It sounds like you've definitely had a lot of strategy in the start of the business around reputation as well. Um, which is probably why it's been so long lasting. We all know that a lot of businesses don't last. There is a lot of boom bust in the industry as yep. well, and you've you've made it through. So congratulations on that. So ten years at the absolutely. Well, yeah. as we know, Brisbane's a small town, and uh, mm-hmm. now that we've got, I guess, offices in Brisbane, Sydney, and Melbourne, it's still that same philosophy of um, you know it's a small town, and uh, bad news travels quicker than good news. So that means <laughs> yes. the bad news, I guess. Yes, definitely. Um, I don't know if you're aware of the house collapse in New Farm. I'm sure everybody knows oh, about right. it. No, you haven't seen that one? Oh, I saw something on, uh, on social media yesterday, the yeah. house that tilted to the side like that. Yeah. Yes, yes, yep. completely yep. collapsed. So well, yeah. word travels very quickly. The amount of people that were sending that to me, I was like, whoa, like, yeah. <laughs> didn't even know you followed yeah. these things. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, so it does travel fast. But I want to get into your book. So this is yep. very cool. So you have just, you're about to release a book um, as we talk. Yep. So that'll be in yep. early December is my understanding. And it's yep. all around construction finance and educating people. Can you please yep. tell us a little bit about the book and that process of writing it? Yeah. Yep. So uh, as you say, overnight success. I actually started it November, 2017. So it took me four years, but um, uh, I probably wrote a, a big chunk of it back then. And, and then uh, through the process of this year, have spent a lot of time um, getting it, I guess, up to date and uh, covering multiple cycles. Because as w- as we've seen, you know, property cycles go up and down, and different factors influence. Um, so you know, I had to, had to add a section about the construction costs going up, and had to add a section about cheap money and um, you know the low interest rates that we're seeing at the moment. And um, but also, you know, what do we do when interest rates go back up to? Uh, you know, banks lending at seven, eight percent, that kind of stuff. So yeah, it, it was actually good to let it kind of gestate for a while and, and see what uh, else we could cover. Uh, and so this year, it went through yeah, two, three different editors, um, and finished up uh, literally yesterday. It uh, went to the printer, so the first copy hits my desk today at ten o'clock, apparently. So I'm excited for that, oh, and uh, get to hold it in my hands and get it done. But yeah, I guess in in to, in to cover the book of what we what we do cover. It's very much just sharing the knowledge of what I've learned in the last 15 to 20 years of doing projects and funding projects. Um, and it was probably more so about, you know, having conversations with developers each day. You cover a lot of things over and over again, I guess, and you sound a bit like a broken record sometimes because you're covering the same things over and over again. So it was probably a way to, instead of talking one-on-one and having those conversations one-on-one, it was a way to change that and have a conversation from one to many. So um, to be able to get it out there and and share it with people, I'm yeah, I'm excited by. It. I did a, took the weekend uh, uh, and read it literally cover to cover, and uh, yeah, got a bit excited because it's like, wow, this is uh, this is actually here and happening. And yeah, I'm pretty sure you know, uh, I'd like to say I hope people get something out of it, but I'm pretty sure they will. If you're in the property industry, you'll you'll learn something or you'll re- remember something that you forgot. Um, so oh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. No, uh, like again, congratulations. That is a huge achievement. I'm really interested to know as well how you even found time to finish this book off. You've got this big yeah. growing company and yeah. you, you finish a book. 
Yeah, well, thankfully, um, I was kind of just doing half an hour a day when I wrote it, and it probably, you know, knocked the bolt. I think it's 60,000 words. I probably got to 50,000 words in the first three months, and then the hard part started, which is actually editing it and trying to say what you're saying with less words, and that mm-hmm. was really tough. So I think it actually blew out to like 80,000 words at one point, and we had to just call it back and also, I guess, you know, choose some bits that were probably a little bit, I'd say, verbose or, or kind of that we're going too deep. Um, you know, it's meant to be a, a bit of a conversation with people. Like I say, I was saying, having similar conversations with people one-on-one for the last 15 years that I've been doing this. And so to try and do that and have that conversation from one-to-one-to-one-to-many, to one to one to many, that was more the purpose of it. And so to, to some parts, I was going a little bit kind of deep on, particularly around business models and strategies and, um, you know, repatriating capital and project pipelines and all this kind of stuff. Like, I just, yeah, went off on a bit of a tangent, so we had to kind of cut it short. Um, so, yeah, we will be doing a revision of the book. Um, I'm aiming for March next year, and it will be a little bit more, uh, I guess, intense. We've also got some uh, tools and checklists and stuff which are available online so that we can keep them updated. Um, so, like due diligence checklists, um, you know, simple funding models, all that kind of stuff. Wow. And so that's uh, in the book. There's a link to find them online so that people can still use that. And even there, I want to add more things to go, okay, well, let's have more of a discussion. If you've read the book and you're going online to get these tools that we've made available and resources, you probably are interested in more discussions. So we're making some more content available online as well. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting how much you can cover. Uh, from such a simple topic, you just expand. Even like, you know, we cover sales and marketing and marketing strategies and, and a lot of it is around development strategies. It's, you know, and we're seeing a big shift even in the last two years where People are doing a lot more luxury product mm-hmm. previously and, you know, I guess prior to two years ago, everything was get pre-sales, get bank funding. And mm-hmm. that was like copy and paste. Mm-hmm. And I'd say five years ago, over 75% of our business, we were brokering all of the loans to the major bank. Okay. And now we're doing less than 20%. And yeah. that's a big shift around, yeah. like I said, the last two years have been around luxury product. Mm-hmm. Now you've got to build it and then sell it. Mm-hmm. And people can, you know, I guess the Gold Coast is one example or some suburbs of Brisbane, there's five projects going up and you've got to differentiate yourself to get the buyer excited and to get them to pay top dollar. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people, a lot of developers are taking the build and sell approach and getting them excited. And so even down to where funding as small as two houses side by side as the lower end of the projects that we fund, and we're seeing uh, developers get amazing prices because they don't sell until they've built the product. Mm-hmm furnished it, all the staging, made it pretty, and then they have an open home and have 80 people through. And then they get multiple offers and they get top dollar. And you compare that to, you know, a pre-project valuation that might be an, an example one we did in uh, St. Lucia. I think the pre-project value was 1.9 mil and they sold it for 2.25. That's over a 10% increase. So if they had a pre-sold it, they would have got 1.9 mil. They would have been happy, right? They mm-hmm. would have made money. They would have delivered the project. Fantastic. No problems. But they built it with no pre-sales. Uh, we funded it and then they end up getting 2.25 and I think 2.22 for the one next door. So they mm-hmm. end up getting 300 grand more per house. Yeah. That's like they've doubled their profit. So it, you see people doing that and we're, we're doing that also on larger projects. So we're doing, um, uh, we did 10 houses uh, recently, like 10 in an estate, dated estate. They're like houses, mm-hmm. they're uh, like townhouses, but they're luxury. And so they're now selling for about, Eight to ten percent higher than the pre-project bar. Wow. So if they went and pre-sold them, they would have got 
as I said, they would have made money. They would have been happy. But now they're selling them when the trusses are up and the you know finishes board and a little sales office. They're getting top dollar, and so you're seeing that in the current market where the luxury product is the the focus. Is you've got to get people through it, get them excited, get them emotional. And that's when they pay top dollar and that's how you maximize your profit. So we're seeing a big shift in that project delivery and project funding uh, approach from a number of developers. It is huge. And that's even in, in, in luxury apartments like down the Southern Gold Coast, we're seeing stuff sell for four or five million apartment. Um, some of that's selling off the plan because people are just so hungry to get it. But um, getting pe- people walk through it, they're, they're definitely paying a high price. So you're saying there there is a classic case of risk first reward going on here. So reducing that risk is really by having the strategy around the marketing because you are taking a greater risk by not getting the pre-sales and then you're getting that higher price. Is this something that you, you know, encourage, I guess, I I understand with lending and things like that, you're wanting to reduce your risk as well, as well as see people succeed. So how do you sort of balance that? Yeah. So as a lender, definitely it's, uh, I guess, a slightly higher risk to have no pre-sales as a developer. And what we're seeing at the moment, particularly with construction costs going through the roof, is people have created more risk for themselves by pre-selling because they've pre-sold at $1.9 million and now their costs have gone up and they're, they're literally doing it for fun. They're making no money. Yeah. Yep. Whereas if they had have not had sales, they could be selling them for 2.2 closer to completion. I mean, a lot happens in 12 months. We've seen the market go up 15 20% in the last 12 months. Um, so if you pre-sold 12 months ago you're, and your Awkward. costs have gone up 10 15%, there's quite a few projects where the developer and the builder are doing it uh, for no profit at the moment, but they'll get it done and they'll move on to the next project. And, you know, if nine out of 10 are profitable, you're still overall profitable. So you've got to just, I guess, uh, take take it and move on. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, we're seeing developers now who are pre-sold in a, in a bit of a bind. So um, I'm not saying pre-sales are bad. I'm saying, you know, sometimes it can work against you and we're seeing that with, mm-hmm. uh, with projects at the moment. So Know your market. Excellent. So I'd like to end this with an observation and then a final question. So my observation is I've been following you on Instagram for a while now, your personal account. And the thing that I have loved is you've recently been celebrating your wife's birthday and you've been going from luxury, you know, island getaways to sleeping in a swag with your family. And I absolutely love when people can do that. (laughs) Uh, It's not for everyone. And um, I absolutely love that. So what I want to know from you is what is success to you? Uh, well, you've said it, yeah, um, camping with the kids, ha- having fun with the kids, doing that kind of stuff. And I guess post-COVID, you know, so many people are able to work from home or work from their swag like I did up uh, up the coast uh, last week, took the kids out of school for a week and took them up camping. But I was still, uh, you know, on the laptop a couple hours each morning and doing work. So I think that's, uh, you know, given a lot of people a bit of a shift of what success is. It, it used to be wearing a suit and going to Eagle Street and working in a big glass tower and you know, now it's uh, probably a lot of people's perceptions changed on that. So, yeah, I guess definite success is, yeah, spending quality time with the family and friends and um, and also enjoying what you do, which, um, you know, I guess quite a few of us are lucky enough to do. Yep. No, you clearly do. You can feel your passion. You can hear it. And I can't wait to see what you do in the next 10 years. Thank you so much for joining us. If people want to contact you, what's the best way? Yep. So uh, Holden Capital uh, is our website. Uh, the book's available at constructivefinance.com.au. Uh, so they can uh, log on, download the first chapter uh, for free and have a bit of a look to make sure it's for them and, and then purchase it through there. Uh, and it gets delivered through Amazon, I think, within five days or whatever. So it comes out to you. And, yeah, we've also got a, a bit of a podcast series on there. I think we've done about 35 
so far. I haven't done one in about a year. I'm about to fire it up again in February after the break. Yeah, there's a bit of learning in there. We interview some interesting developers and builders and, and different industry people. So uh, definitely a bit to learn there as well. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jess. Talk soon. Thanks for joining me on today's episode of Creating Australia. Don't forget to subscribe and join us on our socials to keep updated on our latest content. On Creating Australia, I love talking about everything to do with people, property and development. So if you have something you'd like me to explore, let me know by searching Creating Australia on Instagram or searching Jessica Reynolds on LinkedIn. LinkedIn.